0: Hello everyone and welcome to Too Many Cooks, a podcast where we explore recipes written by your favorite chefs and try them out in our own home kitchens. It's like a book club but for recipes. I'm Grace and today I'm excited to announce my official new co-host Dave. Thanks for joining Dave. Thanks for being my co-host.
1: I'm a real boy. This is wonderful. I was was (laughs) tired of saying thanks for having me after one episode. And so I pretty much just yeah. demanded a spot where I was going to walk.
0: And so, Well, great. I'm glad that you didn't. You made the cut. You were America's Next Top Model. And I was, I was definitely
1: <laughs> bluffing, too. I never would have walked. So I'm glad you didn't. Right. <laughs> you no, apart. I'm so
0: happy to... I'm so happy that this worked out. This is dream come true, and we're off to Um, a
1: great start so far. Everything is (laughs) working. I was just going to ask how you do it. I mean, it's it's been it's I have a hot cup of coffee. It's it's a beautiful morning here, and so you do not. (laughs) I'm talking to one of my favorite people about cooking. So life's good. I think it's gonna be a great day. Be a great, great you're very
0: sweet. It is seven p.m. Argentina time. It is six (laughs) a.m. dc time this is our fourth time trying to record this episode
1: yeah hopefully this one actually takes so
0: yeah we'll see we it's a spooky season it's october so our recording has been cursed by a podcast it, it's
1: been a calm That's... month for everybody anyway so far and so we, yeah we especially yeah, <laughs> spice it up a little bit
0: this week especially too has been really unremarkable so <laughs> let's just like you know,
1: see what embrace it. Yeah,
0: see what happens. Um, so this week we are talking about David Ching's recipe for, uh, steamed buns, steamed pork buns from Momofuku, his restaurant. Um, but Dave, you know, we have to talk first about the best thing you ate this week. What was the best thing you ate slash cooked this week?
1: Ah, uh, so for me, it would be, probably be a combination of things that I made yesterday. Uh, that you know rolled into one. I would say perfect meal. So I've been experimenting with um, different kind of techniques and timings and, you know, ways to try and perfect this uh, loaf of bread that, you know, I, I just really want to get just perfect because it's it's easy and it's delicious and we love it and it kind of goes with everything. And so um, I think I kind of nailed it yesterday. And so I'm super happy nice. about that, uh, especially because I was also yesterday making a nice soup, um, a, a very nice corn chowder. Uh, that I, I, definitely, I definitely really uh, just love making. It's, it's delicious. It's really kind of easy. Um, and they paired perfectly together. And so
0: awesome. that
1: was definitely, I think, the, the best thing that I made this week.
0: What goes in the corn chowder?
1: Uh, the corn so, chowder. so corn that is definitely a key ingredient.
0: Hmm. Uh,
1: there's also chowder uh, so that it, it, it all kind of comes together. So <laughs> <Please>. <laughs> there's uh, diced red pepper, diced uh, green pepper, uh, jalapeno, um corn uh potatoes there's a good amount of heavy cream there's (laughs) vegetable stock a nice combination of seasonings um the first time that i made this i took a bite and pretty much immediately like jumped up and said this needs crab and just like ran across the street to grab some crab um, yeah, we have a grocery store across the street I didn't just like find a crab in the middle of like Arlington just, oh yeah, across the street. So <laughs> yeah, um, for
0: context, it is a, a right across the street. Yeah. Like,
1: so, yeah. and it's, it's perfect. I mean, it, it's a, it's such a good, you know, just kind of chowder base. And so, um, adding that you could definitely spice it up a little bit more. Um, but again, it paired perfectly with the bread. And so I was super happy with it.
0: That's awesome. I'm so happy. To, I, I can't wait to try it. Um, it's very presumptuous I, of you, but okay. Oh, well, wait. <laughs> <laughs> I will be back soon. Yes. I need to try it. I will it.
1: happily make it. I, as awesome. as long as you make for me what I think your best thing was probably this week.
0: Yes. Okay, so we've been texting about this, which is why Dave kind of knows what I wanted to talk about. So I have. I think I've also perfected the biscuit, yes. the elusive biscuit. The biscuit has been elusive for me because I think there's so many ways that... So many strategies for getting flaky and delicious and whatever. But I have been trying so many different recipes. I... Um, a few weeks ago... Got, I, I think I've been making like a biscuit a week for yeah. like a, three weeks in a row. I've been so watching from I, afar and
1: I could tell. <laughs> <So>.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh, follow me at Stir Crazy Bakes for yeah. all my biscuit <laughs> <laughs> obsessions. No, I... I <laughs> like, I did... Um, Claire Bone Bon Appetit um, won a few weeks ago, and that one came out really great, but there was a lot of, like, manhandling of the butter where I was physically incorporating the butter into the, into the flour mixture, and I think my hands are too hot. Like, <laughs> I have been reading online that people have hot hands, <laughs> and I am a hot-handed person. So uh, <laughs> I found a recipe from America's Test Kitchen that um, – it's kind of hard to get to, so I'm gonna try and like be sneaky and try and see if I can post the full recipe um, on the Instagram page, which is now live.
1: Because we have follow an Instagram us. page, there you yeah.
0: Go. <laughs> follow us at Too Many Cooks Pod on Instagram, um, and yeah. So I froze everything just to keep the butter. Very very cold, and the mixture very very cold. Um, So I froze the box grater. I froze the flour mixture. I froze the butter before I even grated it, and then I froze it after I grated it. (laughs) It was an adventure. So, um, but this, it was a really fun process too because you're basically doing like um, book folds or envelope folds, I should say of the of the dough and the first time you do the fold you're like this is terrible i need to add water but the recipe literally says like do not add water whatever <laughs> you do do not add water trust me for love of god trust me and i'm like okay fine and so i you do five book folds I keep saying book fold, envelope fold, because you do it in thirds. Well, and it's it's funny because the
1: recipe does actually say something along the lines of, I think, like a business letter.
0: So I did five business folds. um, And around the third one, the dough became this like cohesive, beautiful dough, which was very surprising flour was hydrated, everything was cold, it was delicious, I'm so excited. I was also using, instead of my hot hands, I was using a a bench scraper, which also, I also Also frozen. (laughs) Also frozen, because I have a metal bench scraper, and it changed everything. And then the other trick that I learned is that you need to trim the outer, like once you roll it out into its final stage, you have to trim the outer quarter of an inch, because, um that compression from the rolling pin actually inhibits the rise. I saw so, that yeah. in the
1: recipe because I, you know, again, free time, that's what I like to do <laughs> just read random recipes of what other people are cooking. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I, at first I, they even, I think, even say, like, trust us, you know, just trim and throw this out because my initial reaction is just, that's that's good biscuit right there. Wasteful. You know, yeah, why, 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 are, we, why are we getting rid of that? Um, but yeah. that, that exact reason, basically, it would – stop the rise more so
0: yeah and for science i cooked that that trimmed stuff and it was and it was super tough like almost inedible like it was very important to trim that and then so really i think that the trimming made for a lot of more vertical so the last time with the bon appetit recipe there was a lot of um lateral spread there wasn't a lot of vertical spread so it was a lot cakier um, and a lot more dense but still delicious but short like very short and then with this trimmed it i followed all the directions and there was it was sky high it was like yeah it was uh, it was huge the problem though the other thing that i need to talk about with this recipe is um, the flour the specific flour that you use. So the flour here in Argentina is very low protein. So like all-purpose flour here has like 9% um, percent protein, which is low. Like standard all-purpose flour has like 10 to 12. Um where and bread flour has even more. It's like 12 to 14 and then we'll talk about cake flour in this episode <laughs> yes, we because it has like 7 to 9. <laughs> yeah. So you anyway, can get this it, is like so... Yeah. <laughs> so you can get it. Or assuming this episode records. Okay. Um, so the flour that I used had such low protein that it was actually I, – I keep calling it structural integrity of the biscuit because um, husband Ben kept saying – he's like, oh, I love with, with biscuits when you can tear it apart and make like a sandwich. And with this flour, you can't actually – you don't actually get that. Um, and I think – Remind me because I think you read the recipe more recently. They say to use –
1: They specify even King Arthur flour yeah. because I, I know they, you, sp- yeah, brand. you and I have, have talked um, uh, about how you can't get King Arthur flour down uh, in Argentina and, right. and that's pretty much what I use all the time. Um, oh, my
0: God. Sponsor me, King Arthur. Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs>
0: sponsor me. Sponsor me, King Arthur. Bounty t- b- Bounty paper towels. That's the <laughs> other thing. I'm like, I'm not kidding. Those you are, don't yeah. realize how lucky we are until you can don't have bounty or like American.
1: Stuff we're we're giving does. up the goods, goods too much because in the first episode I alluded to an app that I use, but I didn't say it by name because I you know we need oh. we need that endorsement first you know or we need that signed oh, contract damn. before we officially endorse. So we'll give it so we'll give it the bounty the pe- in King Arthur right now.
0: Okay. And, um, so all the people who have been DMing me asking me for the app name, I should not tell them <laughs> Yeah,
1: until we're getting, I've until been we're telling getting a financial them. cut. Yeah. So damn it. <laughs> okay.
0: All those people on Instagram who've been DMing me, Hey, what did Dave mean when he said he's using an app? What app is it? A... I take it back.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you were just kidding. You were just lying. Um, I was just kidding. <laughs> so the, yeah, the, the re- recipe actually specifies about the, the need for that higher protein content. And, um, that King Arthur basically is, is kind of an ideal thing to use. And so it's yeah. amazing, you know, we've talked a lot about baking and just, you know, how kind of precise it, it really is. And, and you know, we'll talk about it a little bit more, especially with the buns. And so it, it can have a big difference. I mean, a, a slight change in ingredient you know, can definitely make a, a, a pretty substantial change to the end product.
0: Yeah. No, it was really funny because Ben... I- Bless his heart. Oh, I did the I did the Kentucky thing. That family has infiltrated me. No, I, Ben's from Kentucky, listeners. Um, I <laughs> have been asking his opinion so often that when I made these biscuits, he gave kind of that unsolicited <laughs> opinion that is one hundred percent correct. But I found myself being like, <gasps> "What?" <laughs> <laughs> It, they're, you mean they're perfect. He's like, they're perfect and... and yes, exactly. <laughs> and I would like to, you know, do you think that I could make a sandwich out of them? Because I really like to have like an egg sandwich for breakfast with on a biscuit. And I was like, how dare you? No, I cannot do that. <laughs> These biscuits, the flour has low protein. Yes. I cannot. <laughs> so Don't you listen. I'm actually interested don't you yeah no he's very he's very sweet um and he's right I mean that was the that's the big thing that's the big fault I have with my with my current recipe but it's one of those really great moments where though where you realize like I know exactly what I need to do differently next time and you're excited to try it again like that's how I kind of know that this is a good recipe because I like I know that it I didn't necessarily make, like, a huge fault, and there was no real fault of the – or flaw of the recipe itself. So I know that, like, okay, together, you and me, recipe, we're going to go on a journey. I'm going to use a different – because I actually think I'm going to secretly add a little bit of bread flour to 100%. augment the protein because my bread flour has um 12% protein, which is, like, mm. high. It's good for bread. Yeah. But um anyway, so that is – that was my biscuit adventure. Let's get to, yeah, let's get to the recipe. Um, Can you, you picked Dave Chang. I want to hear why. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So um, you and I have been talking about, you know, what we want to do with the podcast because, you know, I'm official co-host and so I get a voice now. And so.
0: <laughs> yeah, I uh, have opinions now and I want to hear
1: them. <laughs> exactly. Um, <laughs> as opposed to previously when I had opinions and they were unsolicited and I would just give them to <laughs> you. Unsolicited. <laughs> Damn it. Which you've already spoken about, you have it... an issue with, so. Um, (laughs) Maybe I need to work on that myself. (laughs) Uh, So we've talked about kind of oscillating back and forth between, um, you know, chefs that you should know, most likely do know, um, and and chefs that we kind of want you to know. Um, Maybe, you know, there's a little bit more regional kind of exposure for them or um, in this instance where, you know, you might actually know the chef and the kind of personality, but maybe you don't know the food as well. So um, I first came across Dave Chang. Uh, a few years ago, I think when um, Ugly Delicious first launched, and so while I I knew of like Momofuku and and Milk Bar, um, you know I had never actually been, uh, and, and you know didn't really know you know who he was. I just kind of you know knew about some of the places that he's he's opened. Um, Ugly Delicious, for those who haven't seen it, is a show on Netflix that um, he essentially uh, looks at food for just kind of what it is, you know. And so each episode takes A look at a specific food. So it might be pizza or tacos, um, you know, or something along kind of those lines that is not your traditional kind of, you know, high-end restaurant food. You know, it's not a Michelin, uh, you know, type food that you're going to get served or see on chef's table or anything like that. And he very specifically kind of, uh, you know, talks about tweezer food and the entire concept of, you know, food as art and, you know, stepping away from that because sometimes you just want something that's really delicious, Right. Uh, you know, a taco from a taco stand can be the best taco you ever had in your life, you know. And so that resonates with me because that's kind of the style that I like to cook. Um, you know, plating can be really nice, but I'm preparing food mainly for, you know, myself, my family and and, and some close friends here and there. Uh, you know, it, I want it to look nice, but I'm not necessarily taking the extra time to, you know, do all these extra <laughs> kind of tweezer manipulations, uh, just to make it look super yeah. pretty. Um, you know, I, I, just want it to taste good, you know, and I, I want you to feel good when you're eating it. So, you know, his, that whole show and that whole style really resonated with me. Uh, plus bonus points is that he is, um, he grew up in Virginia, pretty much, you know, just a couple towns away from, from where I've lived for, um, more than half my life. And, you know, so I'm definitely a fan of his and, uh, he has some some great things that are kind of recently coming out. And so I know that you've, you've been following him and and definitely are interested in a lot of the stuff that he talks about.
0: Yeah. So I, I remember hearing about David Chang um, with respect to the restaurant Momofuku, but I um, did a little bit more research and then also recently heard a podcast um, called the Sporkful with Dan Pashman. Sporkful is a wonderful food podcast. Dan Pashman gave had an interview with uh, David Chang um, about his recent memoir called Eat a Peach. Um, And so I was really struck by David Chang's story. Um, So his parents immigrated from um, Korea. His dad's from North Korea. Mom's from South Korea. But the family actually opened a few restaurants. And they really dissuaded him from pursuing a career in restaurants and tried to push him into being a professional golfer. So he's a very, very, very talented golfer. Um, but while he after he graduated college, he moved to Japan for a while teaching English, um, but then came back to the US and had a variety of different restaurant jobs um around New York City. But he moved back to Japan to work at a soba noodle shop. Um, and when he came back to the US, he was like super dissatisfied and disillusioned with the fine dining kind of tweezer food cuisine and culture of um dining and so he really pursued this idea of ugly delicious like we were talking about so he has this wonderful Momofuku legacy David Chang he opened Momofuku in 2004 um, it, on his website he says that it translates to Lucky Peach but it also gives an homage to the, the inventor of instant noodles whose name is Momofuku Ando um, and then he also also says that He, it's not an accident that he chose the word because it sounds like the word in English "motherfucker." So that is a very like (laughs) on-brand David Chang kind of joke. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. So like maybe that's a silly. Maybe it's like apocryphal, but who knows? It's kind of funny. And so we picked this the steam bun because it's actually a wonderful recipe that you we've found from two thousand seven. So fairly on in his um, in his career, where it's kind of been one of those like iconic dishes. If you look at momofuku, um, like if you look at look it up on the me- on the on the web, like on the web, who am I? If you, <laughs> if, if you go to the
1: World Wide Web. If you go
0: to and, you know, and world, dial up to HTTP find colon momofuku's slash menu. <laughs> um,
1: ask Jeeves for momofuku's menu. Yeah,
0: this is a loosey goosey episode. Woo! <laughs> um, the other thing that I think is interesting about. David Chang in general is kind of the personality side of things. So he he's obviously a very talented chef, but he also has kind of a reputation for being, I don't know, a loose cannon. Like he has in his memoir, he talks a lot about um, being diagnosed with bipolar disorder and how his rage in the restaurant industry was kind of normalized and accepted um, because of the verbal assault that is very common in kitchens in the U.S. and around the world. So like if you envision Gordon Ramsay's kind of over-the-top treatment of people um, and verbal and sometimes physical abuse, uh, Dave Chang talks about like, you know, throwing hot pots of, of liquid or, some, or, or food at people. And his rationale for that in his own brain was that these people weren't taking it as seriously as him, so he was being disrespected. In, in the memoir, he, he talks about, like, his struggles with his own father, yeah. and then he recently became a father, and so he's having, again, this kind of, like, introspection there. It's a it, – this, again, sportful Interview, really fascinating. David Chang, really fascinating. Obviously so successful and really talented. Um I think this recipe is kind of a wonderful encapsulation of that. So,
1: and we really want to intimidate people with the recipe too. Oh we well, to pick <laughs> a recipe that's just going to scare the hell out of you.
0: <laughs> that's the thing. Is like, and mission mission accomplished. accomplished. Yeah. So we this this recipe was really, I, I can tell you, um, I don't think it's spoiling anything. But I remember sending it to my mom and then a few other friends who did the boothborging Bourguignon with me, and they just straight up said, "I'm not doing that." Like, <laughs> put nope. Not doing that, nope. nope. <laughs> so, I and again, like I, you know, I was really worried. I think maybe did did we pick the wrong recipe? Should we have picked something a little bit easier? But I think that I, now
1: I just for the record, I wasn't an official co-host then. So if anybody picked the wrong recipe, it would have been you, Dave. You um, all recipes moving forward. I mean, yeah, you picked this recipe, official, so I know. But still, it's it's on you. you was still your podcast at the time, and so if anybody didn't like it, it's more you. <laughs> now moving forward, we share responsibility. But at the time, I mean, yeah, you were in charge. Do we so. need
0: a contract? <laughs> hold, hold, please. Let me call. Let me call my lawyer. Um so this the fact that people were like so intimidated by the process I actually wanted to talk about I think that that's kind of the story now for the episode yeah. is that that's like the that's the that's the point um yeah,
1: and to be upfront, I mean you know we were too yeah, right so it, it's it's not that you know we were just like, oh, you know well, we got this, no problem I mean we we definitely uh you know talked a lot about you know the, the buns portion of it, yeah. um, you know, we'll, we'll get into kind of the pork side of it too, but, um, you know, it, it's clearly the way it's written out. It's, it's a long process, you yeah. know, it, and it definitely takes time. And, um, it, it just feels right from the start that it's going to be very easy for it not to turn out right. Mm-hmm. Right. Because anytime that you need something to come out kind of perfectly pillowy and soft, you know, and, but still be able to have that structural integrity that we talked about earlier, yep. you know, that, that's a narrow window that you need to hit. And so it, it right from the start, I think everyone kind of looks at it and just assumes, all right, this might not work out.
0: Well, also, if you, if you just like, before this process, if you had said, hey, Grace, what goes into a steamed bun?
1: Steam.
0: Steam. Bun? A bun?
1: bun, maybe. Bun? Um, Probably.
0: Flour. Got it. Yeah. Great. I can tell you, there's flour, water, and I think for a lot of people, you look at bouffe bourguignon and you're like, "There's beef. I can see a carrot. Yep. I can see a Straight mushroom. Forward, there's
1: one carrot. There's one. <laughs>
0: there's one carrot. How do you slice it?
1: Thank God, there's no up to you. Yeah. No pearl onions. No pearl yeah.
0: onions. <laughs> oh God. Jeez. Hot take. Hot take. 2020. All right. <laughs> so I I want to just make okay. So like the first. You see a picture of a pork bun, a pork belly bun, because the, the, the Epicurious recipe is pork belly um, steamed bun. The yield, it says, make 16 buns. It says... And that is
1: very precise. Very
0: precise. Um, <laughs> the active time, we didn't even talk about this before. That's a <laughs> joke. It says one and a quarter hour active yeah, time.
1: Yeah, I mean, I felt, Yeah. All right. I mean we we were kneading for days. I
0: I needed so. <laughs> for <a> Gregorian day. <laughs> I don't know. A...
1: <laughs> you were jacked at this point. I am. So.
0: Well, I'm already jacked. I'm a very strong. Yeah,
1: you were jacked before. You're jacked. I'm jacked. Now, her. So.
0: Um and then it says total time 1 day. So active time hour and a quarter, debatable. Total time 1 day, accurate. Um yeah. so we I want to talk about this recipe as a two Two story, two narratives, two journeys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we've got the pork yep. journey and we've got the bun journey. So um, let's talk about the pork journey first, All and right, then we'll let's get dive into the pork, the pork journey. So we'll talk about some, some bellies and so, some loins.
1: Yeah. So my my concern, anytime we talk about pork, <sighs> and anybody that listened to the first episode probably uh, is already also <laughs> mutually concerned, is did you have bacon trauma again?
0: Yeah yes thank you for asking point blank uh yes thank you for your concern and um i will speak about it very briefly um, as to not re-traumatize but um i think it's going to be unavoidable i think this is my life now and (laughs) i
1: said you're just gonna be haunted by pig nipples for the rest of your life
0: so the nipples this time were just so three dimensional. Okay. Um. I I sent you a picture. Yeah. Oh, no, you okay. did
1: with with no I warning. Sent, you sent me and no, Jess a, a picture. Andrew, wife. And she had no context for it because correct. You know, and this is her own fault. She didn't finish the first episode. Now she, <laughs> she is a very busy woman. She does amazing, okay. amazing art. Uh. You know, has, is constantly doing stuff around the house and everything, but. It's been two weeks, so, and mind you, (laughs) I don't, I'm sure she doesn't want to listen to me any more than she already has to, but
0: no, uh, yeah, hearing more
1: from you, always a delight until you, until you send her an unsolicited pig nipple picture.
0: Yeah, I yeah, know yeah. it felt a little NSFW like I was I like the fact that there was no shared context beforehand, too. <laughs> I was like, oh, shit, you're just going to think that I'm a creepy freak and just sending you nasty, gruesome pictures. But no, I'm I'm a creepy freak hoping you have shared context with me. So, yes, I. The other thing is, so when I rec- when I ordered the the pork belly from the butcher, there's a comment section and i could theoretically have said portmore C- see C- C- nibbles see C- nip yes.
1: not sure how you say that in spanish
0: i still don't know how to say it <laughs> i have been talking about nipples for the past two weeks to my my even my friends at the dog park in spanish and i just like gesture <laughs> broadly <laughs> which is okay i i should learn the word okay um and I'm not talking about nipples. Wait, no, wait, rewind. I'm not talking about like human. <laughs> talking about porn. okay, all right, all right. To clarify, so I, for science, for the podcast, I had no comment and said, okay, I assume that this will be con nipples, yes. and then I received it. What that was confirmed, and um, pictures ensued. So I will. <laughs> post on too many cooks pod on instagram uh
1: with for a buffer just, yeah you need with a
0: buffer of very cute dog pictures and a content warning for vegetarian friends but just in case people wanted to know what that looked like swipe through a cute dog picture or two see the Nicoles, swipe back for dog <laughs> <Take> a,
1: <laughs> eye bleach a palate cleanser at that point
0: a palate cleanser and then yeah so Oh, the other thing we need to talk about with respect to your wife is her beautiful depiction of my bacon trauma. Um, Yes. So there is a word in German that I was telling um, Dave and Jess about called Kummerspeck, which is um, one of those like untranslatable words that I teach my students, my linguistic students. Um, And (laughs) and so Kummerspeck translates directly to grief, kuma, and speck, like speck, bacon. So... Grief bacon. Is, grief bacon, <laughs> which is, like, in English, kind of like emotional eating or, you know, eating to fill the, the grief. Yes, I, kn- I, I know that well. Yes. Yes, correct. <laughs> so, Jess, who is so talented, she made this beautiful animation of Grief bacon, which I'll... We'll, nailed it. Yeah, it's perfect. Yeah, she nailed it. And so we're going to try and uh, convince her to allow us to share <laughs> that on the on the Instagram. But every the world needs to see that beautiful, beautiful kumashpek.
1: And the world needs bacon. to start using kumashpek on a regular basis.
0: Or if you're uncomfortable saying kumashpek, you can just say grief bacon.
1: Grief bacon is a wonderful term.
0: Grief... Like, it is just hashtag grief bacon. Okay. My pork belly experience was pretty simple. Um, I was super intimidated by the process because if I, because I do a lot of research beforehand, if there's a recipe that I don't feel comfortable with, like I'll do a lot, I'll like check online for various recipes and then go back to the source material and say like, okay, what did David Chang say? And then I'll check other places who've adapted it. Um... You know, and that's something I didn't actually really have to do with the Julie Child one because the recipe was so straightforward and the the technique was very simple. But with this, I've never made pork belly before, so I compared across two sites, and one place said, F- Food 52 said, oh, their recipe was called like M- Momofuku's steamed buns, but it wasn't written by David Chang. And they said to put it at 450 in your oven for 20-30 minutes first and then lower it to 300 for two hours hmm. but david chang says to do 300 first for two hours ish and then um do 4 450 for 20-30 minutes so the reverse and i was like this is a fork in the road like i am yeah. going to walk through a door gotta go with him i got it got to go with him yeah so i went with him obviously that's the point of the pod and um around two hours <laughs> i said, dave the most disgusting boomerang of my just like porky stew
1: yeah in just pasty <laughs> pale white
0: yeah other synonyms
1: yep. for <laughs> not, not no color
0: <laughs> vitamin d deficient um
1: and, and unappetizing un- 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 looking, right? Unappetizing. I, mean, yeah, I didn't want to eat that. It looked yeah.
0: nasty as hell. Yeah. So, we got to trust like, the process. I was, so I was really patting myself on the back for having a secret stash of pulled pork that I had made in the Instant Pot the night before as because I was does. terrified of the pork belly. I was so nervous. Um, so with these, yeah, with pork belly, I just like, you know, said a little pork prayer and cranked up the oven to four whatever my oven's max is which is like 410 405 um and just like watched it kind of sizzle away and around i would say 10 minutes it was like night and day like so much color was put onto the pork it was such a lovely such a lovely outcome after those 20 minutes at 454 ish 400 ish that i was so excited and i just kind of like perked up and my bacon trauma, my angst was <laughs> gone. And I was like, all right, I got this. But if I had, I could have seen a, a world, a reality in which I stopped, Yeah, you know, at a certain point and just gave up and said, I'm going to use that Instant Pot. So I'm very glad that I didn't. But then again, you have more process. So the, the pork um, overall, you needed to cook it, um, cool it, and then put it in the fridge to have it kind of solidify so that you're able to slice it before you serve it um but i had a secret and i so i did all that and then this is where i deviated from david chang's recipe forgive me david um not you dave him, yeah. is that why you like him because it's too I, yeah i just like
1: saying dave chang
0: yeah yes. um i when i sliced it i then seared it in a cast iron to get that texture back because i wanted mm. that like textural difference of. Because if it was going to be like soft bun and then like, you know, a crunch from a pickle, but then like that soft pork, I didn't want that. So, um, yeah, I think that the searing the bake searing the pork belly was really clutch in this whole process. Nice. Um, I forgot to read the ingredients for the pork. Um, so there is a there is a brine for the pork belly that I did follow: um, a ha- half cup kosher salt, half cups sugar, and four and a half cups water, comma divided, which unclear what the divided means um for now you'll figure it out later (laughs) in the body of the in the body of the the ingredients
1: (laughs) mid-recipe yeah
0: yeah yeah um and then two and a half pound skinless boneless pork belly cut into quarters and then a half cup reduced sodium chicken broth so um i did the brine for a full 24 hours with the sugar and the salt and so dave tell you tell me about your pork experience your pork adventure
1: yeah so I did not have uh, bacon trauma to your extent, Um, but I I did have a a little bit of a challenge. And so so going in, I knew that my family is probably not going to be as excited to have the pork belly. I also knew, to be quite honest, I probably wasn't going to be able to get it. So, you know, one of the challenges of, of right now is that, you know, I'm going to one grocery store for food shopping and I'm not, you know, where normally I might shop around a little bit and try and find different ingredients from different places, you know, or, or go to my butcher. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not doing that now. So whatever is at the supermarket is, is pretty much what I, you know, have to deal with. Um, so I knew kind of going in, I would not have uh, really access to pork belly. Um, you know, it's kind of a typical grocery store. There's no real, real actual butcher butching in the back room anywhere. Uh, it's pretty much just what you see is, is what you get. So, the challenge with that, though, is that for the pulled pork, um, you want, for the, based on the recipe, which is uh, from Lucky Peach, by the way. It's it's from when, when you know, Dave Chang's right. uh, former magazine. Um, you want, basically, I think it was a five-pound or so uh, boneless pork shoulder, right? And so pork shoulder is usually what you would want for um, a pulled pork, right? It's just a higher fat content, um, you know, uh, the alternative that is really easy to come by, which is what I knew I was going to have to use because all they had was basically like a nine pound uh, bone in pork shoulder, which, you know, just wasn't going to be able to, to work. Um, so I had to go with, uh, with pork loin. So I knew upon purchasing this is going to be drier, right? This is definitely not going to, uh, you know, be as moist as I want it. Um, just gonna have to deal with it. Won't really penalize the recipe, uh, because of that. So uh, the recipe is very similar to the pork belly in that you're, you're doing actually a dry rub overnight, um, pretty much the same simple ingredients. It's just, it's salt, sugar, pepper, that's it. Um, but upon opening up the package for the pork loin, it actually was, surprise, uh, two smaller loins inside. And so uh, immediately I started, you know, freaking out about how am I gonna get the timing done um, because now I can't really follow the recipe. I'm, I'm completely way off in terms of the size, um, the thickness of, of, of the meat, everything. So I pretty got pretty lucky, I think, in terms of the timing. It, you know, definitely the meat was drier than I know I would have wanted. Um, I For leftovers, I was able to reconstitute a little bit just by adding, you know, some additional liquid and, and heating it up the next day. But uh, it, it worked out well. I mean, it's a it's a very, very, very straightforward process know uh, for both of the recipes. So not, you know, not the hardest thing to to do for the pork side. Then there's the steamed buns.
0: Well, okay. So the bao buns. Okay. Not bao buns. I keep doing <laughs> yeah. this. Bao bun is, okay. So I, again, linguistics, profe- welcome to like Grace's Linguistics Corner. Um, so bao bun is actually redundant. So bao means bun. And, um, if we're talking about pork steamed buns, which is what we did, uh, pork belly steamed buns to be specific, it's guap bao. So bao bun would be redundant. Um, and if you're talking about the bao from like the Pixar short, that would be baozi. Um, baozi is this, um, is that ki- kind of like lotus fold mm-hmm. where it's all encased. But I also have been reading that that dough is very similar to what we made <laughs> for the steamed buns. So if you wanted to take the pulled pork instant pot that I made, and that I was frantically mixing with hoisin because I was panicking about my pallid pork, um, I could have, you know, stuffed that into the dough and steamed it that way, which could be a, a fun little yeah, adventure next time. Yeah. Um, so the bun is really fascinating. It's really, again, I think that this is, re- is really where people just kind of looked at it, looked at the recipe and said, nah, nope. I'm not doing that. So the ingredients for the bun is um, one cup of warm water, one hundred five to one hundred fifteen de- degrees Fahrenheit. comma, divided, <laughs> what, um, a half two teaspoon of active dry yeast. We'll talk about that. <laughs> three tablespoons sugar plus a pinch, uh, two tablespoons non fat dried milk. We'll talk about that. Dave's favorite. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, three and a half cups cake flour. We'll talk okay. about that. Yep. Uh, one and a half teaspoons of baking powder. We'll talk about that, and then canola oil for greasing and brushing. And then for your equipment, you need a deep twelve-inch skillet with domed lid, or a fourteen-inch flat-bottom wok with lid.
1: So let's talk about that. Let's talk about the the equipment. So because it's ideally, even you wouldn't even need that. Ideally, you would have actually a bamboo steamer, right? And mm-hmm. so they're almost being a little little generous and yeah, um, and kind of correctly presumptuous about. People not having access to that. And so, mm-hmm. but we didn't even have uh, kind of their makeshift rig. So we both right. did our, our own, which ended up being pretty much the same. So just using, yeah. using a, a vegetable steamer um, yep. and just basically creating kind of a, a nice uh, condensation free as best we could, thanks to some of the things yeah. that you, you learned really quickly.
0: Yeah. So that, that was a, a real adventure. Like I, you know, I had my vegetable steamer and I realized that there was only going to be three or four able to be fit. Cause I actually made mine a little beefy. Like I made my buns a little bit bigger. I still made 16, but they were a lot bigger than the, um, than the size that they kind of predicted like, um, uh, six, six inch by three inch oval. I think I like, because my, my pieces of wax paper were not three by two, they were,
1: yeah, I big, feel like the wax, I the wax paper was way too small for some of these buns. So,
0: so I made beefy wax paper from four inches, <laughs> a four inch square. Don't worry about it. So I knew that I was only going to have a few um, in the steam bun at a time. So I was doing it in batches. The first batch, I just used the lid for the steamer and I opened it. Um, I'm actually excited to show pictures of this on the on the Instagram because... I opened it and I saw that there was just like a ton of condensation. The steam was releasing out the sides and I was, and I, when I opened it after three minutes, I saw that they were very flat, very dense and had like a, like a, basically a layer of water on Mm top. And, I don't know how this memory popped into my head, but there's there's an episode of Salt, Fat, Acid, Heat with my girl, Samin Nosrat, oh, who also hosts another food podcast that I want to highlight called Home Cooking. Um, but she, uh, in her Netflix series, Salt, Fat, Acid, Heat, she's making tadik rice, which is um, an Iranian rice with her mother. Um, and her mom has this like suggestion, hack or whatever, but basically... Um, in order if you're going to steam in a standard like pot like a pasta pot it is helpful to wrap the lid in a dish towel in a way that basically catches the condensation on the top, on the, the the bottom of the lid and doesn't let it drain, rain back down onto the product that you're steaming Um, Also, it kind of creates like a a tight seal around Mm -hmm. the edges so steam doesn't release. And so you have kind of a beautiful little sauna, a dry sauna for your steam buns um, that, you know, doesn't get the kind of cycle of condensation on it. Um, And then so if you do a side by side, like look at my... At the pictures that I sent, it's it's actually really striking. So yeah, I'm, it made a big
1: difference, right? And
0: but also, like, if you have a bamboo steamer, the wood absorbs the steam, yeah. so you don't have this problem, and there's a tighter seal because the lid goes outside the bottom of the vessel. Yeah. So, I think that like, I um would be really curious to do a side by side kind of like for science all in yeah. brown kind of style experiment to see which one is better, but um. Okay, so we talked about. I we're gonna have to talk about the ingredients. So, um, let's first talk about yeast. It's first in line. It's the big. It's the big one. Yeah. Um. So I'm fairly confident with yeast. I've been cooking with yeast for uh, the past year or so, but I was really intimidated by it in the in the first place. Um. This has this uses active dry yeast, which is not to be confused with the yeast you use for like a sourdough starter or like a live yeast. But um, I yeah so with this with this recipe they kind of do a solid check and they say um, that you need to stir together a quarter cup of warm water with yeast and a pinch of sugar let stand until foamy five to ten minutes and then in parentheses if mixture doesn't foam start over with a new with new yeast
1: yeah that's huge yeah I love that so because I, I think you're right yeah I think yeast is intimidating for people I think that if you haven't uh, worked with yeast before you know, and really, um, had success with it. I I think it's very easy to kind of, um, overlook a few things that, um, they helpfully point out right there for you. So the biggest thing is if you are making any sort of bread that, that has active dry yeast, if you don't see that foam, uh, definitely throw out what you're doing and start again. Um, yeah, essentially what's happening is that, uh, the yeast is eating the, you know, whatever the sugar is, whether it's sugar or honey, depending on the recipe that you're doing, um, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and, basically the carbon dioxide release is, is causing everything to foam up. And so if you don't see that, it's usually indicative of either um the measurements might be off or your yeast might be dead. So you always yeah. want to have you know fresh, fresh yeast um stored in the fridge. The water temperature is also another big factor here. So right. you'll see a lot of recipes that basically say 105 to 115 degrees or so. Um, I when I first started baking uh, and I, I don't bake all that often, but, um, you know, so I still don't even have like a proper kind of thermometer. I, you know, I have a meat thermometer that I use, but, um, This is,
0: this is, this is bonkers to me. <laughs> this is sacrilegious to me because, um, do you also not have a, a food scale?
1: No, I have a food scale. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah. I was just gonna,
0: I was gonna shut the, be like, uh, maybe my America's Next Top Model hunt needs to start <laughs> <laughs>
1: Exactly. I just lost my, just my kidding. position after half an episode. Um,
0: just kidding. (laughs)
1: So the, the little kind of trick that I use is basically, um, you know, turn your water to hot, let it run for a little while, hold your hand underneath it. And when you, when you feel a little bit of that sting start and, but you can still keep your hand under the water, that's pretty much 105 degrees. And so if you let the water run just for, you know, another couple seconds or so, you're going to be right in that 105 to, you know, 110 probably range or so and
0: Dave, what if you have hot hands?
1: Well, so that's a, that's a big problem you probably talk to your doctor about. So that's a, a bigger issue than we can solve in, in a one hour podcast about food, but
0: all right, fine. All right, whatever.
1: So, so yeah, so you, you, you know, you start the recipe that you have your yeast going, right? Everything's looking good. Um, you start adding your flour, uh, and you need cake flour. And so I talked earlier about you know, the, being limited with uh, certain ingredients. So the store did not have cake flour. Fortunately, I kind of assumed this going in and I had done some research that you can make a cake flour substitute. So uh, it, it's pretty much taking, for every cup of flour, you remove a couple tablespoons of the actual flour and replace it with a couple tablespoons of cornstarch. And so I made that you know, uh, as a result because I didn't have access to the cake flour. And... My, my buns came out great. I was, I was really happy with them. I I would love, thank you. People have said that before. And so I would love to see a side by side of, you know, what it would have been like actually with the cake flour. But, you know, I I feel like this was a a viable alternative and and it worked out pretty well.
0: Yeah, I'm curious if mine would even if mine would even qualify because so cake flour is like I was saying in the beginning of the episode. Cake flour has just lower protein. Um, it's going to yield something fluffier. It's going to be a lot lighter texture. There's not going to be as much gluten development. Um, so, and we're talking about protein. I'm talking about gluten. Mm-hmm. So you, I. Can't get cake flour here at the store. The only flours I can get here are very, very, very low-protein all-purpose flour. Um, I don't know why I said it like a comma. I was going to say something else after that. There's that's it. That's, that's it. it. Yeah. There. That's, that's the it. list. <laughs> um. That's the list. So my what I did have was double zero flour, which is very similar to cake flour, and I have double zero flour from making pasta. So. Um, follow me at Sir crazy picture. No, (laughs) all my pasta recipes. Um, so (laughs) I, um, was making pasta a week or so ago and was like, what am I going to do with all this leftover cake flour? Well, or double zero flour. Well, thankfully. Um, but then, okay. So with this recipe, I didn't have enough. So I was like, well, crap, like, what am I going to do? So I augmented it with, um, my very low protein, um, All-purpose flour, and I'm like, well, I'm gonna have dense buns. I'm not gonna have good buns. Um, I mean, I think that they because I had majority cake flour, cake-ish flour. I think I they turned out really well, and they were very, very tender. Um, But yeah, the cake flour. Kind of saga is something I can hear people say like I'm not going to get that. So your advice about just making your own kind of substitute and then also just looking for flour that has very low low protein I think could also be a, an alternative. Yeah.
1: And so you just um, said tender. And what is the ingredient that oh, goes into this? I'm because sorry. I yeah, I'm- I now have a shit ton of it and I don't know what the hell to do with it. So...
0: Right. So this is the dried milk. This is the milk powder. <laughs> this is the other ingredient that I'm sure when my mom was looking at it, she's like, I'm not doing – Gracie, I'm not doing that. <laughs> I, yeah. So With how much dried milk I, I now okay.
1: have, I kind of wish that I had done that. So.
0: I know. So, okay. So here's the, here's the, the rationale behind cake, uh, milk powder. I ha- I'm looking at my show notes right now and Dave just added a note that says, so much dried fucking milk left over. <laughs> Milk powder basically yields a feathery, tender dough because of the added protein and fat that the milk powder adds. This recipe calls for nonfat milk powder. So maybe that's not even accurate, but <laughs> I couldn't find nonfat milk powder and I got full fat milk powder because I was like well at least it's milk powder but really the theory is that you're adding milk protein without adding liquid you're adding flavor of kind of like a milky uh, aroma without adding more liquid because you are cr- really creating a very dense dough mm-hmm. and we can talk about how dense it was when we talk about kneading but this this milk powder you incorporate it into the ver- again very little amount of water you're actually adding to the, to the recipe as compared to how much flour you're adding and it is at it's kind of imparting a a flavor of of protein of fat in my case and um yeah just like more buoyancy to the to the actual dough itself
1: yeah i mean the end result definitely works out um for me to use up the amount of milk powder i have i think i'll have to make i i I actually ran the numbers on this um it's three hundred and sixty-two thousand. Nine hundred and seventy-eight fucking steam buns to be able to use up how much milk powder I still have in my cabinet, and I have no idea what to do with it. I can make fake okay, milk, well, I guess, um, but
0: no, no, do not. Okay, so this is what we do with milk powder, because the other thing I googled was what the fuck do I do with milk powder? Um, dear, ask I asked Jeeves. Um, so a baker says one of these, you know, on the interwebs, baker. So again, who knows? But um. It seems to be corroborated across the interwebs that using um, milk powder in anything that you bake, like cookies, breads, cakes, and anything that you want the outcome to be tender and have a, like, um, a not a close texture, as Mary Berry and Paul hmm. Hollywood would say. You want something with, like, a light and airy texture, and milk powder will give that to you. Um, so you would incorporate it into the liquid that you're adding to your your bake so here's the question though am i really going to do that (laughs) i don't know i'm moving i'm I'm (laughs) I'm intrigued so so. the next thing i want to talk about is kneading so we're gonna you need the dough itself is fascinating because you it's very similar again a lot of people are probably unaccustomed to proofing something for so long um you need it um after you mix everything together you need it you let it proof You need it again. You let it prove. So the first need took me like seven minutes for me to actually just give up um, (laughs) because I, I know, and this is something that I have. It's a, I have a luxury of knowing that like, it probably should have been X texture. And for me to get to X texture, I needed to, to need it longer. Mm -hmm. But I was, I was a pro I was approximating X texture and that texture I'm looking for is like smooth, like kind of like a smooth top. And I kept kneading and kneading and kneading. And I was getting this like dimply dough, which means that like the, the you know, the flour wasn't hydrating, it wasn't hydrated enough. And maybe there was too, too much flour in there. But since it was maybe also too high of a protein in my flour, as I was kneading, it was getting stiffer yeah. and stiffer. So um, I looked and there is a recipe the food seventy, the food 52 recipe that i think maybe i'll link because it might actually be a more accessible more recipe more approachable um is they say to use a stand mixer mixer yeah
1: yeah if i if i ever make this again i think i would definitely use uh, a stand mixer just because i mean i wanted to stay true um to the recipe right. as much as we could even though we already admitted right. that we went wildly in different directions for the pork <laughs> at least for me um but it's it, it takes such a long amount of time. You you need kneading for five minutes. Five minutes does not sound like a long long amount of time, but it, it it's it's exhausting. It's boring. Yeah, you know? and, and
0: we're not talking about slap and folds. We're yeah, talking about like kneading. Really
1: working like a Swedish massage level of pressure. And so uh, Swedish massage. I, I definitely mm-hmm. will, will. I think if I do this again, uh, I I definitely would go with a, a more automated process to make it easier
0: for sure. And then so you let it you let it rise for 2 hours in a warm in a warm place. That's pr- very standard. Mm-hmm. You're having the yeast eat the sugar and the flour and releasing carbon dioxide because you want those bubbles and yeast is happy and whatever feed. So then um you take it out. You take the dough out. You put it on a on a work surface and you sprinkle the baking powder on top of it. Yeah. And you know, that's another really fascinating Never process seen that before. because you Exactly. I Me mean, neither. And so I um, was kind of looking looking into it, and baking powder, if you can – so the Food 52 recipe adds it at the same time at the beginning, um, and so I didn't actually – I couldn't find anything that told me why. So if any of the listeners know why the yeast and the bac- baking soda may be interacting or, or inhibiting one another, like that would be really interesting. Maybe the acid in the baking powder inhibits yeast. I don't know. But baking powder gives you even more bubbles and more lightness, and so when that hits heat, it's going to – release gas and give you even more volume so that's what the baking powder does in this recipe and i think that that's super interesting um then you let it rest <laughs> it another 30 minutes and then you take it out you roll it into a 16 inch log get your ruler and then you chop it up into into 16 one inch balls and then you shape them and then you you know lightly grease with a uh, neutral oil and fold them over onto themselves put them on a piece of parchment and then let them rest for another 30 minutes
1: there's a lot of so by
0: the there's a lot of resting but you're not resting because what you're doing is rolling and so by the time your 16th bun is done your first one is ready to get in the steamer and so that's the tricky thing you don't want it to be overproofed you don't want to be under so there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff going on And me talking about it now is actually, like, elevating my heart rate. Like, my watch just (laughs) was like, hey, your heart rate's too high. (laughs) But I think that that is, like, a very legit concern for a lot of people. And now I know what to expect. It's all about setting expectations. So this is what we're doing in this podcast is we're, like – Giving you all the real the reality of a recipe, so that it's not so intimidating when you approach it. You're like, okay, Grace and Dave told me that this is going to be hard to need. I'm gonna instead throw this in the mixer. Yep. Grace and Dave told me to have a cocktail, or what? It, Mad, Maddie said, like I was pretty drunk by the end of Bouf Bourguignon, <laughs> but it made it all worth it. Like, yeah, you know, have a glass of wine or four with your Bouf Bourguignon, yeah. and it and the wait time isn't so bad. Or Grace so, and
1: Dave might tell you, honestly, don't don't bother, don't waste your time. Do a different recipe. Yeah. So.
0: But do you think we wasted our time with?
1: Like... No, no, I didn't. I didn't mean that okay. for this recipe at all. I, I think that um, you know it. It was absolutely delicious. I, I definitely really enjoyed it. I I enjoyed the outcome of the steam bun. Um, I did a few things uh, in the interest of science, and so
0: yes, um, tell me about that.
1: So the original recipe uh, calls for essentially just cucumber slices, and so you know, looking at it, I I've cooked with hoisin sauce a lot, and so. Um, I kind of knew, I think, what to expect for uh, what the end result was going to be, you know, but and looking at the recipe, I was just thinking that some acid in here would probably be really great. And so um, I opted to do (laughs) four different versions of cucumber slices, Um, two different things. With a spreadsheet. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. And so two different thicknesses uh, for just the straight cucumber slices. So just like a kind of a really, you know, fine, thin one. Um, and then a big thick boy for uh, the regular cucumbers. And then Tracy's. I did um, some quickles. I did some quick pickling. Uh, o- I mean, overnight. So I'm not sure how, maybe how quick it was, but um, I just turned some of those boys into, uh, into some were fickles uh, and then some were slim <laughs> So
0: slim what? Slim
1: you know, uh, slim pickles, slim yeah, mm-hmm. Um This, this will catch on in the lexicon. So, um, so, my thinking was basically just that 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 additional flavor profile is going to kind of add the final checkbox for for everything because we have a little bit of of everything here right and so i did taste test um and kind of texture test i guess uh each of those four versions and um, i'm happy to report that the the slim coal i felt did the best um you know having a, a few of those on there um kept that that still soft you know, fluffiness of the actual bun. Um, you add a little bit of a crunch, um, you know, with, with the pickle itself, uh, but it didn't kind of interfere. The thickle was the second best because, you, you know, still having that acid was, was really great to have. And then um, for similar reasons, then it was kind of the slim cucumber and then the, the thicker cucumber. So that was really great. Um, I did another thing in the interest of science. And so <laughs> I took the steamed bun because again, you get this really perfect pillowy vessel um, for flavor. And I, I tried some peanut butter and jelly on it. Just, you know, just so no pork, just, you know, the bun as, as basically the bread. Um, and that was fantastic. That was just like this warm, comforting, you know, delicious, um, you know, little, you know, bite of American goodness. And so, um, so that was really nice. I also, um, thanks to some of your urging froze some of the, the already yes. steamed buns. So, you know, we steamed everything, yes. all 16 of them, um, you know, ate a few of them and then, um, froze the rest. And, uh, the next day I tested out, um, how it comes out basically just warming it up under, you know, some low heat in in the toaster oven. Um, I tried it again cause it was basically breakfast. So I tried it again with the peanut butter and jelly it came out mm-hmm. really nice. It's not as, uh, you know, floofy, get like a little bit of crispness as the outside kind of, you know, cooks a little Sounds bit. It's
0: kind of delicious though. It,
1: I mean, it was great. Uh, it, you know, I do know that you could um, heat these up in uh, in a microwave, probably wrapped in um, yes. a moist paper towel. I don't have a microwave, so, but we can get into that in a different episode. I can't. <laughs> I just said. Have...
0: I mean, I kind of get it. Yeah. So I did the same thing. I froze, I froze the, the like 10 and again for science was trying to figure out the best way to reheat it and I I went I don't have a toaster oven but I have um I was trying to keep the integrity of the like steam Mm -hmm. like how do you keep the steam once it's been frozen how do you release it or impart more steam into the steam bun? I did the wrapping in in a moist paper towel in the microwave for 20 seconds that worked great but also I just re-steamed them in the steaming vessel that I used the the pasta pot with the vegetable steamer on a piece of parchment paper, and it worked like a charm also. Nice. I was nervous about them adhering to each other and having, like, the frozen, like, water molecules stick yeah. to the two sides. And it released beautifully. So I think we've got, like, the leftover potential for this is amazing. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I think that this, my, like, once I seared the the pork belly, I also, because I was inspired by you, I made my own very quick goal, quick goal. Um, and a very slim goal, mm-hmm. slim goal. Um, I did it like within probably an hour Oh well, wow. and it was great. Ooh. I really, really liked this, the outcome. Like I felt like yeah. it, like the first bite, I did that kind of like chef bite. Like before I gave it to my mm-hmm. husband, I did the like secret, like I have to test for flavor. <laughs> ben calls it my kitchen bite because anything I make before I bring it into the dining room, I will eat <laughs> like a bite two missing. or three spoonfuls no, there is honestly every single time. And he's like, are you okay? And I'm like, I'm just checking for flavor. (laughs) He's like, are you impatient? I'm like, yes. And (laughs) checking for flavor. Um, So I really, I, I'm really curious to get, to, to talk about the feed, the, the rating system. So this is apparently the Ben episode because I kind of caught him listening to our Poo For episode while he was working out on our patio it was a very I sweet it. moment. And yeah. he like, oh, op- he opens the door and he goes, babe, I figured out your rating system because I think he heard how unsure we were about like how to rate the thing. I still like the one to five to...
1: lardons though. I mean, that's, that's a good way to do it. <laughs> one to five, what the
0: fuck is the <laughs> yeah. Um so, so he was like, well, you were talking about how people were intimidated and they were afraid of, t- of doing these recipes. Why don't you use what I, what Ben is calling the fear system? And Love so people, it. if people who are afraid, we can say, no, 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 have no fear, but or have good fear, <laughs> um, because this is the fear system. Are you ready? Let's talk about it. F is for flavor. Does it taste good? That's it. Very simple. Does it taste good? E is for ease. Were the techniques simple? Did you feel like you had a grasp on the techniques that were necessary? A is approachability. Did you have to do research beforehand? Or did you have to get new equipment beforehand? Could you approach the recipe and just bust it out, kind of like the bouffe bourguignon? Or did you have to do prep beforehand? And then R is repeatability. Will you make this again? So we're going to do, because this is the tale of two, two recipes, really, we're going to talk about the pork fear and then bun fear. Um, pork fear first. So flavor, for my for me, like, I'm going to say... Five. I loved that pork. I it redeemed itself with the flavor. Um, it was really exceptional. I well, yeah, I'm excited about it. E for ease. Uh, the techniques were yes simple, but I'm gonna ding it a few points because I was anxious about the techniques used. Um, so maybe that's my anxiety. But it's like a three. And then A approachability, I'm gonna say three again because I was really like nervous, and I wanted to respect the the feel the sentiment I approached the the recipe with. Well, I had to do ex- extra research. And then R though five out of five, definitely gonna repeat this. I am very excited to repeat it. Nice. So I'm telling people that my my ease and A approachability are low because I can kind of hear other people saying like I'm not doing pork belly, but I promise you use me as kind of a guide like it is absolutely vale la pena vale la nipple like vale la pena in spanish means worth the worth the trouble <laughs> <Yes>. um <laughs> so definitely vale la nipple
1: so so overall that's a 16 out of 20 so an average oh, yeah. of a, Thank you. A score of 4 that's wonderful um so i i did the pulled pork um because of some of the issues that i talked about earlier you know not having um you know the proper cut of meat um, you know, the, the size and everything, I am actually just going to do an ear rating system. I'm going to skip F. Um, it, it did taste good, but I think texture is a big part of, of, you know, taste and, and what the F should be. Um, and I don't want to ding it, uh, basically because I didn't have access to the, to the right ingredients. So, uh, for ease, definitely a five. I mean, it is as straightforward and, and as easy as you can possibly get with the recipe. Um, for approachability, I gave it a four. Uh, this is mainly just because of you know the specificity of the the cut of meat and how you know getting a a boneless shoulder of a certain size uh, is, is not exactly the easiest thing to do. Um, repeatability. Uh, I put a four. Uh, I, I think I, I would make it again. I do have other uh, pulled pork or carnitas type recipes that I think um, might be a little bit better, uh, possibly just because the the flavor for those is focused so much more on um the other ingredients that you're adding in this is basically a much more straightforward uh just kind of more basic and simple you're getting a a pulled pork and and then you're going to kind of add to it so overall for me out of the three categories it's a 13 out of 15 which is not bad at all
0: great so let's talk about bun fear um so flavor for me five out of five um ease, again, using the same metric, um, I did not think that the, the techniques were simple, but I did think that I could do them. So it was like three out of five for me. Um, and similarly with approachability, I had to do a lot of research about buns and like what the bun consistency should look like and what it should feel like when I was talking about that X texture, like I had to look online, you do a YouTube video and that's a lot of pre-production. So, Um, I would I call that two and a half um, because again then once you're doing it you're like oh yeah this feels right Mm -hmm. this feels hydrated but you know that's tough however though repeatability I cannot wait to make these again that's a five out of five so some of these things are you know weighted heavier like flavor and repeatability but um, and
1: so overall you know just as a straight scoring system 15 and a half out of 20 for
0: you yes thank you sorry about that so 15 and a half Mm -hmm. out of 20 for me
1: Awesome. So I had flavor for the buns as a four. Um, and that's just because I feel like they are very much a vessel um, for something else. And so, you know, they were delicious. I I, I love them. I thought the texture was fantastic. Um, but in terms of just straight flavor, you know, it, it's compared to something else. Um, you know, it's, it's definitely good. Uh, but, you know, it could be really more just kind of that conduit to, to eat something else. So um, ease, I completely, completely agree with you. It's, it's a three for me. Uh, You know, not the most straightforward recipe Um, takes a lot of time, a lot of steps Uh, approachability. um, I also kind of dinged it a a, a few points here and there for just some of the, um, the specific uh, either equipment, because really you do want a bamboo steamer for this, or, you know, we needed to kind of create our own makeshift rig for it and you know that towel across the lid was really critical and that's not in the recipe. Right. Um, you know, needing to have uh, cake flour uh is you know lost at a couple points. Um how much goddamn dried milk I still have left over definitely <laughs> lost some points. So three and a half uh for approachability. Um so for repeatability, uh I'm I'm at a four point five right now. I I think you know the the fact that it can be saved and frozen uh, does help make it, um, a little bit more justifiable in my mind to make it again, because if I'm going to go through that effort, I could see this being something that I, you know, um, I, I hold on to. I, even though it's a 4.5, I'm not sure if I will do this again. I think this would be something to revisit, uh, after a period of time just because, you know, it's, I, I did it, don't need to do it again anytime soon. Um, but I did enjoy it. I mean, it, it definitely was, it was delicious. You know, my, my whole family really enjoyed it uh, as, as kind of that, that ugly, delicious type food, it, it is, is perfect. So overall for me, that's 15 out of 10. You had
0: somebody who did join on this, uh, steamed bun adventure with us, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I I was super excited. Uh, a friend of mine, um, in, who lives in Florida. So she, she braved, um, making this in the Florida heat. She did the pork belly. Um, you know, she, she pretty much followed everything, uh, you know, exactly. Um, She did a regular cucumber slice, you know, she, um, uh, you know, did, she had cake flour, um, and she did the steaming in kind of a similar rig that we had, uh, without, I I don't believe she used the towel. So it was pretty much as as straight to the recipe as, as you can get. Um, so she absolutely loved the, the pork and would definitely make that again. Uh, you know, I, I think that the buns were, um, a little bit more work than really was, was kind of worth it for her. So, uh, she was teasing me while I was in the middle of making mine that you know I still had just eight hours to go because you know it, I think it felt like a, a very long amount of, of of time and work for uh, for the results. So so overall, I mean, the 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 pork definitely was uh, a, a good rave review. Uh, the bun maybe yeah. not so much for her. Yeah.
0: So awesome. I think this is a good place to stop. Do oh, do you want to um preview our next episode three? Sure.
1: Yeah. So we decided that. Uh, We're going to go with another kind of classic uh, chef. So uh, we're going to go with Jacques Pepin. Um, And he has a classic, uh, famous recipe for an apple galette. It is October, and it is definitely prime apple season. The nice thing about this recipe as well is that it's a lot more straightforward and um, hopefully a little less intimidating than uh, the one we just did.
0: The apple galette will give us a really op- awesome opportunity uh, to talk about pastry technique, um, which I think is going to be fun. And, and like you can absolutely make this if you want to um, go and buy your own pastry dough. Uh, like your you know pie crust in the in the freezer section. Um, please, uh, make this along with us and send us your feedback and your pictures if you can. Um, please send us your fear rating for any of these things that we um that we talk about. And that's too many cooks pod at gmail dot com. T W O many cooks pod at gmail dot com. All right, Dave, we made it.
1: We did. Uh, we did about it. eight eight hours of recordings. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, thank you all for joining us. Um, As always, eat well, be well, and don't forget to preheat your oven. Don't stop recording. Dave, please don't stop recording. God, I love technology.